I went from uh, MCA, left there, went to Def Jam, spent 11, seven years um, there, which we had an amazing run of, of talent that came through. Um, DJ Khaled came through. Uh, Young Jeezy came through. Rick Ross came through. Dang. Rihanna came through. through Neo came through. Def Jam. I mean, Def Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got you. Fab came through. And what'd you do for uh, Def Jam? What was your role? I was the uh, senior vice president of promotions. Senior vice president of promotions. Mm-hmm. So it was on you to promote the... Correct. A radio hits, man. It's a mm. radio hits guy. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepless for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast where we find dope people that do really, really dope stuff. And this guest today has been doing dope stuff for years. You are like decades. Like you are responsible for for the soundtracks of people's lives. Mm. Maybe not all, but you've touched something that affected somebody that's listening to that. We got Benny Pugh here, guys. Round of applause. Benny Pugh. All right, so Benny, um, I was like I was telling you earlier, I was talking to my boy DJ Efeezy. We went to school together. That's my boy. Shout out to Efeezy. That's my guy. (laughs) And I was when your uh, I don't know if it's your publicist or reached out Mm -hmm. was telling me about the book. I was like, well, I don't know a whole lot about the music industry, so let me call somebody who does. So I called E and I dropped your name, Mm -hmm. and he said, "Yo, he's a gatekeeper. Oh, like he's an OG. Like he." He's one of those people like you really, really have to get approval for from. And I was like, yo, this is interesting. For somebody like him who has been in the business for a long time to big you up like that, I'm like, yo, I got to meet this guy, man. So how do you introduce yourself, Benny? So I start with Benny Pugh. And there's, there's a reason why my name is branded as Benny and Pugh. I mean, I'm a storyteller, so I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Bro, I need so, all them stories. Okay, so my sister and I, we grew up in um, White Plains, New York. And what's the chances um, living in our five-family house, we lived in the attic. And in the winters, it was really cold. And the summers were really hot. You said you lived in the attic. Yeah, yeah. That's where the apartment we grew up in was on the fifth floor of a five-family house. So we oh. were in an attic apartment. Oh, so somebody owned this five-bedroom, this five... Five-unit, five unit five-family home. And you lived in, in the, the attic. attic. Right. And as this, you know, think about what the attic is, is where the roof line is pitched. So obviously, you know, um, I think the ceilings might've been just barely six feet. But in any event, so um, my sister and I, uh, Regina, what would be the chances that in this house, there were skunks that lived nearby, Mm. right? In proximity of the house, sometimes under the house, sometimes in the woods. So when a cat or a dog or anything that would instigate or aggravate it, it would fumigate, right? It would the perfume out. Obviously, we know what skunk smells. So it would come through the house and actually ascend up into the attic. So we literally would go to school smelling like skunk. Mm. So with the last name of Pew, smelling like skunk, you could imagine uh, what kind of ridicule oh, they was children. They killed us regularly. So at that point, um, I took a negative and decided, like, you know, I'm going to make my name matter. And that's why I introduced myself as Benny Pugh, because I said, you know what? I can't change my name. At that point, I couldn't change my circumstance. So you know what I'm going to do? Make a difference. Mm. So that's why I introduced myself as wow. Benny Pugh, not Benny, not Ben, not any abbreviation thereof. Benny because Pugh. I see where I'm going and what I'm going to become. And you you just embrace that. Of course. Hard to embrace it as a kid, though. Man, listen, you just become a fighter. Yeah. You know, my two-piece game ain't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can handle myself. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So as you, like, obviously we understand your, I guess kind of just tell us some of the, um, uh, some of the the accomplishments that you've had in the music industry so far. So I started my business, I started in the business at Motown Records. And actually I fell into the music business. It wasn't uh, my aspirations uh, after graduating from college. I went to St. John's University in Queens. Uh, during that, uh, my time as a student, I also did stand-up comedy for four years. So I was one of the really? original founders of the Uptown Comedy Club, which was this, this club in, in uh, New York City. It was hot back in the 90s, right? Well, you say you found, you were one of the one founders. Of, one of the original 
um, founding members of the Up, Uptown Comedy Club. So people who came out of there, J.B. Smoove, Bill Bellamy, um, Dougie Doug, like everybody ran through. That was the premier oh, wow. uh, comedy club um, in Manhattan and hence became, you know, the blueprint for a lot of the shows that came after Def Comedy uh, Jam being one of the biggest iconic comedy shows, right, in, in culture. But, you know, the the whole concept started with just some local comedians performing and a DJ playing between, right? Because, you know, normally between comics, you just sit. Yeah. And somebody was like, yo, we gonna rock. And that's what happened. You know? Oh, that's dope. Yo, it's crazy, right? That's dope. And um, so I got booked for the show um, at The Cellar, which was located in 96 in Amsterdam, in Harlem. And at the end of the show, I just grabbed, um, I was asked, what was I doing? And I didn't even make any plans on what I was going to do uh, in, in regards to my next step in life. And the promoter at Motown asked me, well, why don't you be my intern? And from where Hold on, you do your set, and then a guy just randomly asks you. Yo, like, at the end of this, after this interview, you go, yo, Benny, what you doing? Right. You want to buy my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Similar like that, yeah. Right. So she asked me, what are you doing? And I didn't even prepare my, I literally just graduated, hadn't prepared my resume. She was like, why don't you come and be my intern? Her... It's so funny and ironic being here in, in Georgia. Her intern was going back to Clark University. Mm-hmm. And she asked me if uh, I wanted to be the intern. And that was the first time she ever seen you? First time. And what's so crazy about it, I didn't even know what an intern was. You know, Next Steps weren't really part of our conversation. You know, kids now, we, we, we uh, educate them on the, our shortcomings so that they never have to go through that. I had no idea. But my background was sales. So I said, naturally, what a salesman would do, say, yeah, I can do that. I'll be, I'll be your intern. So I went down to Motown Records, and needless to say, uh, with a sales background, I showed up as a salesman, three-PC suit, anti-shake case, you know, wingtips. How old Everybody were you? Everybody looked at me like I was crazy, 21. Oh, 21 years old. 21 looking nuts. <laughs> because you got to think about it. Record companies back then, and even currently now, were more equivalent to what a tech company is today. Style, fashion, you know, cool. So I was so uncool showing up um, how I did. And that's how I uh, got my first step into the music business. So when you got there at Motown, uh, what what did they tell you you'd be doing? I was the intern. So I was working in the uh, promotions department. Mm -hmm. And during that time, uh, she had asked me um, to correlate her expenses, do her T&E. I had no idea, once TNA, again, travel and expenses. Gotcha. So when you work at a corporation, all of your expenditures you have to keep in order for the company to reimburse you gotcha. for. So she would give me these receipts and she would also give me a, um, a check to reference the expenses with. You know, it was crazy um, at those times because like then I was typing 90 words a minute, uh, 60 words a minute from home row. And it were very few men that actually were able to do that or did that That's unless she was fact. like ex-military or yeah. something crazy in that degree. What so, year is this? This was in the 90s. Gotcha. Yeah, I ain't gonna let you date me, bro. <laughs> said, you know, I, see, I see you one of them indefinite viewers. Like, you trying to get it all? Nah. So it was crazy. So she, um, during the process, she says to me, um, you know, I need you to take care of this for me. And one day I said to her, I don't feel comfortable like seeing your, your check, you know, your payroll check. She was like, what do you mean? I said, you know, this the check that you give me, you know, I don't, I'm don't, just not cool with that. She's like, no, baby, that's, that's uh, my T&E check. I was like, what do you mean? Because I didn't know what T&E was mm. either. She said, okay. You know, those dinners we go to, the company pays for that. My cable bill, the company pays for that. My car note, the company pays for that. Mm. My gas, the company pays for that. Cable, company pays for that. I was like, really? Oh, that's what I want to do. And that's when I fell in love with the business of music. And I got an opportunity um, to fall in love with the music business as a whole, being introduced to like Boys and Men Day One, um, taking them on the road, Shawnee Wilson. You You took them on the road? Hold on. Absolutely. Boys and Men? Oh, yeah, yeah. You took them, when you say you took them on the road, what do you mean? College college show. You know, like artists come to, Yeah. yeah, that's what we did. What was they like? See, I'm getting a year now. I'm getting a year now, baby. I'm in here. You know what? (laughs) Yo, they were some of the best 
disciplined, humble, eager artist that uh, that I'd ever met at that time. Like, you know, like, you know, kids that are just raised right. They were just raised right. And people who really deserve what they get, they were the ones that put that energy forward. They were amazing, amazing individuals. No reason. And their ethic, their work ethic was bar none. All of them. All four. All of them. I, we see their talent, right? Mm-hmm. And we hear the stories. I'm actually from Willingboro, New Jersey, like South Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I, I know what that is. Yeah, right I next to Philly. So we hear about kind of, you know, they were singing on the street corner and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Is that some of the stuff that you witnessed? No, they were already signed to the label. Gotcha. Michael Bivens was the one who signed them to the label. They gotcha. were through his venture, yeah. And what, what, like, give me a scenario of something that you saw that, that, if you can remember, like, being impressed by that, like, yo, this is, these, these dudes is different. I mean, man, their vocal ability was insane. Yeah. I mean, four-part harmony, I mean, it's just insane. Like, you know, these are, you have to think about the level of performance that they gave as you would imagine, um, novice or new artist was at, you know, a very commercial, brilliant level. And they were just kids, right? You would see their level of performance on television, right? It would be super produced, but they were just raw talent, just giving it. So it was, it was amazing just to see that as an introduction to what talent was and then start from day one, become global superstars. Yeah. Right, because they really artists do start from nowhere. Right, 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 right. Right, everybody starts from somewhere. Yeah, and then you go, you know, where your journey takes you. Gotcha. So, like, you were there, kind of boys and men were like just getting signed, or they just got, or they they were signed mm-hmm. already. Were you a part of Cooley Eye Harmony or? Mm-hmm. Wow, Yo, that just in the promotion amazing, aspect. Bro. I was in the college department then. And gotcha. so like, you got to go take them yeah, to the colleges. Move around. Did they ever get any booed? Did they get booed at all ever? I don't remember that. No? Nah. Nah, they weren't a booing group. You know, if you think about it as a performer, you know, each show is different. You might not, yeah. like, doing stand-up, you know, there's times you rock, yeah. right? And everybody, ah! yeah. right? And then there's, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. just depends. Got you. Right? So, so when you start, when do you, like, level up where you're not just... The promotion boy. So I leave. So I leave Motown and I go to work for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis as their national director of um, street team marketing. And what label was that? That was Perspective Records. Perspective. So the big artist there then was uh, Sounds of Blackness. Okay. Right. Okay. Mint Condition. Yeah. Those yep, were. Yep. You know. So I did the uh, promotions uh, for them. I left there. When you say do promotions, radio like, promotions. Even that is it. I'm going to the radio to negotiate a deal with them or? So what you do is you're representing the artists um, to the radio stations to give them an opportunity to be heard. Gotcha. So you have to think about the radio aspect of there are there are hundreds of um, records that potentially come across a, a program director's desk. So you are now vying for three, four, five slots that they actually rotate records out every week. Got it. So ultimately you go and you give your pitch on why your product should be played. And that was you? Yes. That's your sales background. So you got to literally convince them, yo, people are going to love this. Your favorite, the favorite record that you hear isn't favorite because somebody loves it. Somebody's on the back end making sure that you're being heard and that you're your product is actually being represented and uh, in, in front of the people that can make the difference in gotcha. putting it on. So that was a step up from street promotions? Well, or after you left? They're different. Right. So from that position, uh, Motown being a regional director of promotions, dealing with the region mm-hmm. in the marketplace, and then being a national street promoter, which is equivalent to influencers today. You have yeah. to think about what the street team guys were they were the hot people in the marketplace. So I managed that aspect of the business. Then I went from there to uh, Arista Record and moved to Washington, D.C., where I was another regional director for their particular label. Gotcha. And we had a lot of great artists that came through there. Monica, Usher, um, Goody Mob. Um, we also had all of the Rowdy stuff, all of the LaFace stuff, and the Arista oh. proper stuff. Man. Um, so it was, you know, it was a great time then. My big shot is when I moved back to New York from D.C., 
was at MCA Records, where I ultimately became the senior vice president, moved west. And that's when I had the opportunity to work with Casey and JoJo, you know, the All My Life record, Shaggy, It Wasn't Me, Shantae's wow. Got a Man, um, signed Feel Mob, which, you know, was, was the first artist that I actually that's had an it. opportunity to say, you know what, I believe in your talent, want to bring you to the label. Hold on, back, back up a little bit. It's so important that Black voices are represented in Black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of Black uh, voices and influencers from Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So this is like like the golden era of hip-hop, R&B, just music, mm-hmm. period. Um, like, give me some, like, starstruck or, like, wow moments that you can remember that you'll never forget from, like, some some of these, your, you know, your favorite artists. Like, cause I know you got, like, stories of being on the road or mm-hmm. just, like, seeing what's happening behind the scenes. So, so we're going to be careful with that, right? So I'm mm-hmm. going to find something that I, that's entertaining. Okay. Um, I, or, or rightfully so, something that I, I just never, you know, I was blown away about. It's just the work ethic of uh, a lot of the superstar artists, I would say. When you look at Mariah, you look at Lionel Richie, you look at Jay, you look at Future, you know, you look at Rihanna, um, you look at Young Jeezy, you look at Rick Ross, you look at the dynamic of all of these people, what they share is driving determination and motivation. Mm-hmm. And they, they're all where they are is because they see where they're going. And that is probably um, more profound than, you know, just a giggle or two. It's just working with people and seeing people and they it's in their eyes on how they know exactly where they're going. But we were actually here in Atlanta once with uh, Lionel Richie. This is when we had him at Def Jam and Lionel Richie, you know, hello, Jesus is love. Like just, you know, every like amazing. He is so humble. Um, we were at the uh, old St. Regis hotel and Lionel just felt one moment that he was going to jump on the piano and just start playing. And everybody assembled around. Like, you know, that show might be hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars, right? But like, yo, dude was just so cool and just about the fans and regular that it, you know, was like, wow. So superstars are really real people, right? Yeah. Like they are really real people with no hangups and, and just enjoy having fun just like the rest of us. So that was amazing. In the... One thing I know, just outside looking in from the music industry, it just seems like there were a lot of bad deals going on back in the day. And I don't understand it because, Mm -hmm. again, I never was in that space like that. What was the music business like back then? So it's two ways of looking at it, right? The bad, the bad, have there been bad deals? Yes. But there are bad deals in every aspect of life. You know, people stopped talking about in the 80s and 90s the parents were getting um, loans from the bank for 21% on a mortgage. That's a bad deal, That's right? Bad but they deal. got a house and you grew up in that house, right? Because you only know what you know. And if you don't know better, you can't do better. So ultimately, people who are in those circumstances and situations, you have to ask them why. 
they decided to take those deals, mm-hmm. right? Because there's always an alternative. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if it worked for you, if that's what you felt was the best entry point for you, mm-hmm. then now you have to live with the consequences. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to give the people a pass who administer those knowing better, taking advantage of those who don't know better. Yeah. No, that has to be dealt with as well. So there are people who have, on the other side, amazing deals, right? right? So, so in those, I mean, we don't, we don't get to hear about that. Like I had a conversation with um, an artist Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was saying, like, he's stuck in a deal till he's 60 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he'll never be able to get his master back until a certain date. Or And it's like one of the biggest stars in the world at this mm-hmm. time. And I'm I, I'm trying to understand where... I'm kind of on the side of the label, right? So let's say, for instance, that um, I have... You know, I've, I've got money and I'm signing an artist. I'm mm-hmm. signing you. You don't have any money. You just have an amazing talent, mm-hmm. right? I'm taking my money to invest in you, the talent. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that with my investing the money in you and you promoting and doing what you do, well, I promote you, you become a superstar. And now you're, you're a superstar, but you're not making as much money as most people think a superstar should make because we're in this deal where I who invested and created this, I need my return because otherwise I could have put all this money into you and you do nothing and then I'll get my money back. Mm-hmm. So I love to hear your perspective on that, on like, I'm taking a chance on you with my money. If it works out, it works out great and it's beneficial for me because that's why I put my money up like that. But if it don't, I lose my money. I mean, you're 100% correct. So how so the real question becomes is as an artist or a new artist, how do I approach if I'm going to go inside? Because there's different elements that you can approach a, a deal. You can stay independent, mm-hmm. right? You can go through a distribution company, or you can, you know, go into a traditional major. It depends on what's the best model for you. If you're trying to go into a label, you need to have some traction and momentum, or you sit exactly where you are. You're just a high risk opportunity. But it wasn't like that in the 90s, though. Because there wasn't no following like that back then, was it? So in the in the 90s, but that's the contractual piece is what you're talking about, right? Um, and it was a different, it was a different dynamic because people created artists, the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers were really controlled by the labels, meaning what are the gatekeepers? Touring, television, radio, publicity. In order for you to become a star, quote unquote, you had to go through the traditional record business. Mm-hmm. Right now, artists can become a star in their right. right. You may not be a big national star, but you can feed yourself. You can you can provide for yourself. You can you can monetize yourself. You can do all of the things to be in the business of music, not necessarily a star. And if you're doing a good enough job at that, someone will come find you and then offer you, you know, the, the bigger deal or want to buy into your business because now it's proven. Mm. Right, you've stepped in the business and you've created momentum yourself, and now the risk of it believing just because you fly, you can rap, whatever it is, or you can sing, you just got out of the church, you don't want to do gospel no more, mm. whatever those things might be, you know what that risk is gone because you have created that. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's yeah. a different deal that you're going to walk into for sure. And you're probably not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, with Boys to Men, one person left. Why did he leave? I was going in. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, I being in the game. No, no, no. You know, he's I haven't stayed up game. with him. Okay, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 do you say you fa- you signed Future? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You signed Future to Epic. To Epic. So when I was at what Epic, year was this? Uh, that was twenty twelve. First time you saw Future, what's going through your head, or what's going on? Oh, he was a star. Like when he when he, when he came to the office and we met, like you can just tell, like he was he's a deep brother. He's a funny brother. He's a creative brother. He's a talented brother. He's very in tune to his artistry, his gift, and his music. And so it it doesn't take a lot to figure that out. Actually, the um, uh, there was someone who brought me the music. I normally traditionally what I would do 
I have my own means of finding talent. And uh, when I'd heard his music, I'd call down to Atlanta and ask some people to, you know, get me some music, find out who this guy is, et cetera, et cetera. And then really, you know, drove it, dove into the And where were you at this point? New York. You were in I New York and you just heard about at Future. Epic, uh-huh. Did he have an album out or a song out already? Well, he yeah, he did. Okay, got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really interesting um, at that point. It was early Tony Montana. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, and you got it, right? And you got to think about New Yorkers are snobbish to Southern music, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, me as being a New Yorker, I've never signed anybody from the Northeast. I'm in really? Southern, never. I just told you, Feel Mob was my first artist mm-hmm. that I brought because it's, you know, it's uh, it's just a different energy. Not that I'm biased against New York, but I had like a real connection you know, with the Southern sound and, and really could identify and hear what was next. You know, um, Cash Out was one of the ones that, that I brought also. Another, you know. Really. What song was that? Cashing Out. Yeah, Cash Out. I mean, but sing the... the t- oh, yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Did he do something else after that? When you say do something I mean, not do... I mean, did he have another hit song or... He had a career. He had a career? Yeah. <laughs> I know he's he's dancing on the line. I, I feel you. I feel you. Phil Mob, uh-huh. sign Phil Mob. Uh-huh. They weren't popping before this. Uh-huh. No. So first time you heard Phil Mob, dude. How did you? Oh, it's 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 the lyrical content. It's the it's the bass. It's the production. It's all of those things in the connection. Like you know, although we, it's it's pretty indicative of lifestyle. For people like us, you know, a lot of the music that's that's being made of that was attracted to me. It was more of, you know, like, wow, I get that. I love that. And I can hear it because being a radio promoter, a lot of the music that I hear, I can hear on the radio. And that was probably or more importantly, what my my gift is in identifying talent is that I'm also able to promote the talent. Mm -hmm. So is, you know, that's just how it worked for me. And this year, what years did you sign Phil Mob? Oh, man, that goes. See, you're trying to date me again. No, nah, I'm, I'm trying to get a timeline yo, trying to of get the a, story. Yo, okay, so that's decades ago. So okay. let me see. Phil Mob was in the 90s. Like, like yeah, early yeah. mid-90s, mid right? Yeah. Or no, that was late 90s. No, nah, it was. It's like Because I think I came down here. Yes. Yeah, 97. Got you. At this point, 97, mm-hmm. this isn't, I'm going to build a social media following and then you're going to sign me because I have this following, which happens now. Like you have, so, this is not going to be a talent. So right? now when you find, when you hear, okay, if you want to go, so what you're doing is going to reverse on how you break music is I guess the question that you're asking me. Yes. So with Feel Mob, which would be different than modern day mm-hmm. rapper X, singer right. X, et cetera, the radio was the, the, the major dynamic on exposing talent. So for an artist such as Feel Mob, the vehicle to expose them would be the mix show, mix show street and clubs. And those were the avenues that you would have to create that momentum from to ultimately get it listened to, positioned for the radio station to play it, creating momentum. So in in that time, we have a mix show. If you can get them on the mix show and people like it, the clubs... And or variation of thereof, right? Right, a very de- variation thereof. Like you, you're gonna need the clubs, and you're gonna need mix show because you're creating an audience, you're mm-hmm. creating fans, you're creating energy, creating excitement, creating value. So you want you want that. Like you may not hear it on the radio, but when you walk into whatever club you do down here, and you hear something, you go, oh, that's cool. And now you can shazam it, right? Yeah. And go, oh, now I know what it is. Before you you couldn't. So it's all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So the mix show guy would tell the PD, yo, this is hot in the club because he's in the club every night and people are asking. Yeah. Or when he plays it, yo, the movement is crazy. Or, you know, the infamous playing, you know, after midnight or the one o'clock hour and no one leaves. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you got something. So at this point, like, really, you can take a talent. As long as you got talent, mm-hmm. the success of this artist isn't 100% up to the artist anymore. It's, you have this ability and you got to wrap this artist with someone who can actually get the person on the radio, who can actually get somebody 
to play their song in the club. And you're creating this product, right? But it's not that way anymore. Or is it just a different, in a different way? So sure it is. It's a team. All you're saying is, is a team. Um, in, in essence, you still need, you need a strong team that you need to establish day one of doing anything. Whether you're going into real estate, whether you're going into music, you know, whatever, whatever your appetite for business, going into tech, you know, obviously you need but to. You could be ill on TikTok right now and just get lit. Yeah. So there's always been one hit wonders, though. Like that hasn't changed. You can go to TikTok and go viral and don't have never hear from you again, yeah. which is no different than when it was just basic. You know, everybody bought the single and never heard of them again. I feel that. Right. So it's just indicative of the time. You know, different technology just puts you in a different place. Right. But what we what we're talking when I was stating in the beginning about the artists who have transcended, you know, time, space, and periods are real artists. Mm. So there's a difference between having commercial value, right? And, you know, being a, a true artist. Gotcha. Like you can have success and never hear about it again, right? Just one record. For sure. Whatever happened to them. So you hear Phil Mob, you're like, yo, this is really, really dope music. Mm-hmm. And now you get to work, your brain start marketing. How do I take this amazing product and give it to the world? Mm-hmm. What was the big break? Was there a point or something that happened that propelled them to, okay, now they're on? Um, You read the tea leaves. Obviously, um, what's important is back then, credibility was getting the home market. And if you can't make it in your home market, then it would be very difficult for you to make it outside. You know, it's difficult if you're a New York rapper and you can't get played in New York. People in D.C. don't really care, yeah. right? So, you know, it was success was regional first, mm-hmm. and and that was was uh, the way a lot of the determining factors of the tea leaves were being read. Now it's global, right? You can break anywhere, and and ultimately you can feed your fans if you know if they're on the other side of the world. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Or if they're in Dalton. Gotcha. Right? So now you can see how you're going to maneuver and craft your marketing and planning and how you're going to spend your resources. Gotcha. So you're still, you're in the same space of signing artists Mm -hmm. and I guess helping shape their career. Mm -hmm. How have, how has the times changed in your role in terms of what you have to do to assist an artist on kind of getting to that superstar status? So I'm um, independent now. I have my own company called Diverse Media, and I have an artist assigned to me from Jackson, Mississippi. Her name is Paris Gatlin. And what we do is traditionally what a label does. So I'm doing more of everything now in this capacity of than having the support of departments inside of an organized 
corporate mainstream company, but the functions are still all the same. Yeah. So as you know, in here is you're producing an amazing podcast, but obviously if you were in a, a different environment, you would just walk in. Yeah. Right. So it's no different. Gotcha. So, and you came from, you started your own label from what label? I uh, started my own label three years ago. And where were you at before then? Uh, Rock Nation Music. So you was at Rock Nation Music. Mm-hmm. How did that opportunity come about? Um, it was the next step from me from Epic. So as I was bringing you through, I went from uh, MCA, left there, went to Def Jam, spent 11, seven years um, there, which we had an amazing run of, of talent that came through. Um, DJ Khaled came through. Uh, Young Jeezy came through. Rick Ross came through. Dang. Rihanna came through. through Neo came through. Def Jam. I mean, Def Jam. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, got you. Fab came through. And what'd you do for uh, Def Jam? What was your role? I was the uh, senior vice president of promotions. Senior vice president of promotions. Mm-hmm. So it was on you to promote the... Correct. A radio hits, man. Mm. Radio hits guy. That's what I did. And then from there left, we went to uh, Epic and um, got the opportunity to be on the other side of the business with the uh, executive vice president role of now getting a true peak on the other side. You know, most times we don't get to see how the bones are really curated and, you know, how the business is actually moving. So that was a great opportunity. So executive vice president of Rock Nation. Executive vice president of Epic. Of Epic, yes, yes. Correct. Got it, got it, got it. So that helped teed me up um, understanding the business a little better, um, far more than just, you know, uh, the surface end of it to really getting into the meat and potatoes. And then that's when the opportunity to go to Rock Nation presented itself, and it was a great opportunity to um, do something I'd never done before. Uh, we started a distribution um, arm of the company called EQ Distribution, and, you know, it gave artists an opportunity to um, maintain their masters, but um, also get an opportunity to um, stream up into the into the major, into the uh, parent company if, if, if so be it, you know, gave gotcha. it up. It, it worked. How's Jay-Z? How is he? In what regards? Like, what is he like? He's a great guy. I mean, <laughs> he's a great guy, yeah. but... I mean, he's a driven person outside of it. I mean, what we all see, I mean, like you, when you go, how is Jay-Z? I think Jay-Z kind of put it out how he is, right? Like, success begets more success begets more success on probably somewhere in his life that we don't know there was a spark that he became who he became to be who he is. No, the thing is, I, I think, I, see, I don't use, I wouldn't see, I, well, I wouldn't use the word driven to describe Jay-Z only from outside looking in. It just seems like his success was more his talent, being able to kind of move through the industry. But, and only because I, I don't see it, right? So but driven, you can't, you, have, you can't have that level, but let's, let's just put it, let's park that real quick. You can't have that level of success not being, it's not luck. Yeah, for sure. Right? So then there's a commitment that's being, that you made some point that I'm committed to a vision, a dream, a destination, right? That that goes beyond than just showing up. Like you just can't get to that point because circumstance. That's why, you know, like we don't know anything about certain people we can we would have to make certain assumptions. Yeah. Right. Sure. And that's all I'm saying. Gotcha. What'd you learn from working in that space of Rock Nation? Um, like, like you don't have to necessarily go big to be big. I mean, it's an independent situation, right? They're probably one of the biggest independent companies in the world, and they're in control of their own destiny. Mm-hmm. And that was inspiring um for me as well to like, you know what? Y'all, this is what I've been moving towards. This is where I want to go. Gotcha. You being in the in the music business and executive in the music business, what advice would you have for me? Uh, because we have this new space called podcasting. Mm-hmm. And it's not regulated. There's no... Like right now, you can put some music on Spotify and the artist has to get paid. The person that made the beat gets paid. The person that wrote the lyrics, they get paid from this song. Mm-hmm for a four-minute song. And I think you get, what is it like, 
a million downloads, you get like, or a million streams, you get like $5,000, something like that, ballpark. Is that right? Mm. No? So it's uh, a million streams is the equivalent, let's say, between 3,000 and 4,500. Yeah, okay, like so yeah, between three, 4,000. Yeah. So a million streams of a three-minute song will yield you, let's just say, let's just say $3,500. Mm-hmm. I do a hour-long podcast and I have hours and hours and hours of content up. Put it on the same platform, Spotify. Spotify doesn't give me a dime for that. They don't pay you. I was actually about to put my podcast on um, iHeart and I was, and it was like, you gotta, you gotta agree to the terms of service. Terms of service says, we are gonna put ads before your podcast, during your podcast, and after, and we're not obligated to pay you anything. So, I'm like, all right, well, we're in this new space of podcasting where one day that's going to happen. Like, it has to be regulated, right? But it's not like music. So, from an executive and music perspective, how do you see this whole podcast thing shaping out? Like, well, because I feel like we're early in music when it was when nobody had it figured out yet. We're just all just doing our thing, right? So what advice would you give somebody like me? So I would want to take it back and go a little deeper, right? Because you actually posed that question in music about bad deals. Mm -hmm. What's your alternative? Like you could have stayed on Facebook, right? Or um, Facebook, um, YouTube, Mm -hmm. where you can monetize. You chose to go on the platform because there's, there's a greater opportunity, yes, right, for you to be global and also the mechanism in the in the machine that that's going to be behind you for the advertisement aspect of it and it makes it puts you in a different place than you could probably put yourself I feel that so okay. is it a bad deal because ultimately it's what your end goal is if your end goal now is I'm doing this because you also know the stories of the guys who are making tens of millions of dollars podcasting, right? And part of what you're doing is creating your narrative so that you can now become one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And with that, along the way, you're probably creating brand relationships, I would hope, right? Things that, you know, opportunities that may not readily come to you. But this platform now gives you an opportunity to brand and push yourself. That's how I found you. I wouldn't wouldn't have known you, right? Yeah. Um, uh, is, is because of where you sit now with, with your content. Right. So the recommendation is, would probably definitely be is figuring out, you know, it's always next steps. Mm. And, you know, how am I going to level up? Right? And how long is it going to take me to level up? And those are all goals. Right. Yeah, like right you get, now. You're, you're jumping in, you're in it for a reason, and giving yourself a date. Right. Or at least putting it in. So, you know, it's no different than creating any other business plan. You know, what is what is year one look like? Right. Yeah. What is what is um, three months, um, three years uh, uh, look like? 36 months. Right. Five years, seven years. But not from that level, because I, I do make money yeah. from the pocket. This is not Spotify doesn't pay me. Like mm-hmm. I have to go through a, a, a hosting platform mm-hmm. and a hosting platform. They sell advertisements or whatever. But I do see. That one, like, there's no way that it can continue this way when an artist does the same thing and they get paid. I, I just see, eventually or one day, it will be regulated and people will have to get paid for this content that they're putting on the platform. Just how it is for mm-hmm. music, right? From an executive standpoint, and and maybe I'm seeing too far in the future. How can I be the person that's responsible? Because that's what ASCAP is, right? Like ASCAP was the company that said, hold on, all these people are putting up all this, this content and these uh, everybody's getting paid but the artist. Everybody gets the benefit. The people get to listen, they're entertained. And I'm thinking, well, maybe there's going to be an ASCAP for podcasting. Am I that guy to create it? It's definitely going to be unification. Yeah. It's, it's some How point. How we do that? We need to set up a company, bro. Yeah, listen, I'm here. That's what I'm here, man. <laughs> After this, we can have that conversation, <laughs> right? Figure out what's next because you're actually um, bringing some points that have my mind just thinking like, wow, yeah, it's, it never stops, right? It's, you know, it's, it's how we, we meaning people are fragmented and if we come together 
That's the ability to make change. So your idea and what you're doing, now that you're talking it through mm-hmm. and talking into the existence, you have to do that. You have to move forward. You have to become that voice. That's so big. Uh, okay. And uh, <laughs> I mean, like, it, requi- it requires, which I, I, I like this conversation, right? Because I have to be. You can't just be talking no more. 100%. Or keep it to yourself. 100%. Ultimately, meaning not you per se, but especially people like us, we have the ability and the tendency. You know, we some pontificators. We can talk. We genius. 100%. No action. Drop a, <laughs> right? drop a bar on Instagram. Yo, all like, just up. drop it, B, and be gone. <laughs> like, yo, what? See you again. Here come that same bomb, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but change, change definitely comes with hard work and dedication and commitment and your idea. So I was just being flippant by saying, keep I it to yourself. I don't know what that first step is. Because I, I think I'm ready. To maybe maybe I'm having a conversation because somebody's listening right now and they're saying, I really feel as passionate and maybe David got so much going on, and because it's go, it's going to happen because I'm seeing a stark difference between people of mm-hmm. music and the podcasting, and like we're keeping people on the platform way longer. I wonder. I need to talk to somebody who start whoever started asking. You know who that is? You know that no, I don't. But I can put you with some folks. So put me with some folks. I'll be dope. Mm-hmm. Mission stuff. Okay. All right. So, okay. Side note from that. Um, you have a book coming out. Yes, I do. And you were telling me the story. It's a very interesting story. Um, and I'll let you tell the story because I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, I'd have been out of here by then. <laughs> I'll let you tell the story. Okay. So, uh, 20, August 31st, 2014. I was in a near-death car accident. So leading up to that, I dropped my son off on the 22nd of September to school. Went to um, IMG Academy down in Braden, Florida. And then on the 26th, a friend of mine called me and asked me if I wanted to go to a barbecue. Just like most people, get a call, see the name. Said yes. Calls me, that was on a Tuesday. Calls me. Again, on that Thursday, asked me if I was coming. I said, yes, I'll be there. That Saturday, I fly from uh, LaGuardia Airport into Charlotte, North Carolina, get a rental car, drive to um, my sister's house, uh, watch my nephews play football. Later that evening, she and I drove from Charlotte, I mean, I'm sorry, from uh, Columbia to Orangeburg, South Carolina, um, celebrated my father's 70th birthday. So my mother, she has Alzheimer's, spent some time with her. The next day on the 31st, I um, drive from Columbia back to Charlotte, take a flight back home. It's a misty rain happening that day. And at that point, the flight's delayed about an hour and a half. My friend calls me, still delayed, um, tell him I'm going to be late. I land in New York City, had a meeting made a call home, let them know we were running late. I'm going to be running late and that um, I don't want to put my daughter in the back of the convertible so we would take the truck just because it didn't feel right. Driving out to my friend's house. He calls. He's like, are you still coming? We're just outside. I'm like, yeah, we'll be there. We're almost there. We get to the house and the reason why he was so persistent with the call is because he had actually catered um, the barbecue for the two families. And I thought, you know, we were going to a barbecue. So it was your- What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back. And it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th. Two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. 
picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal really sweet four adults three bottles of wine we're sitting having conversation chatting you know we peel off to the deck of the house of um we start uh, catching up on on past events, things that are going on in our lives. And it's, the conversation shifted and got a little heavy and that misty rain happened again. I don't know whether he said or I said, but at some point he said, let's go take a ride. He just purchased a new 550 Benz. And we walk from the deck through the kitchen into the carport, jump in the car, he backs out jumps out of the car, he goes, gets a cigar, comes back in. The ladies and the kids, they come out. He pulls out. I don't know why black folks, you know, we always want to see cars go away, right? <laughs> that's what we do, right, as a people. Pulls down the driveway. It's probably the length of a city block in rural New Jersey. Opens the gate, makes a right. Hey, where does man live? Golly, <laughs> opens, goes down a city Open block, gate, opens the gate to get out. Makes a right turn. In the car, I hear a car just takes off. So I'd made a call, pick up my phone, and I'm saying to myself, what are you doing? And why are you showboating? We too old for this. So I turn my eyes, look at the odometer. Odometer's about 75 miles an hour. Turn my head, he's out cold. <gasps> With his foot on the accelerator. So from where we started at the gate to the impact of the tree, it's a half a mile without a driver. So the first thing I do is what I've been disciplined to do all my life, speak to God. And the first thing I say is, Lord, I guess I'm not going to see my family anymore because I've seen everybody I've walked you through, my entire family. Second thing I go, Lord, I guess I'm going to see you soon because it's very evident at this point that, um, you know, this isn't going to end well. And the third thing, I get angry with God but I'm glad God didn't get angry with me um, because had I known I was going to die today, I wouldn't have came to the barbecue, right? 
But I was angry because at this point, I realized who's going to pour wisdom into my son? Who are going to marry my daughters? My wife isn't prepared for this moment. I take care of my mother. Who's going to continue her care? And most importantly, I didn't want to die that day. So we hit trees and bushes and the car accelerates and decelerates. And finally, we hit an obstacle that shoots across the road and we hit a tree, an oak. And at that point, I sustained a level two um, concussion, L3, L4, vertebrae fracture, mm. bulging disc in my back. We hit the tree so hard that it um, lacerated my liver, which led me to, to bleeding half the blood out of my body. Damn. And also crushed um, two feet of my small intestine. And at that moment, God put a book inside of me called On Impact. And On Impact, Impact is an acronym for Intuition, Mastery, Pivot, Authenticity, Connections, and Teamwork. And it takes the reader from my journey at 11 years old delivering a newspaper to modern day. And at the end of each chapter is a hit list of takeaways from, from the chapter that the reader can go pretty much if Benny can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And that's available on Amazon. <laughs> that's crazy, bro. Yeah. Why did he pass out? What happened? You know, it was um, fatigue. Combination of a lot of I different things. just got out the house? Yeah, man. Followed him through. But, you know, I look at it from a different perspective. It's not why did he pass out or what happened. What happened was for the change in my life. We were two people in the same car with different outcomes. So he was only the he was only the driver for my change. Mm. Did he survive? Oh yeah, he only had a scratch. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. scratch, couple of scratches. I can't, and I, I'm like I have my. I feel like I'm sitting in the driver's seat where you were, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that would be going through my mind. This car is going really, really fast. Mm-hmm. No control. Do we like try to reach over at the break or like it's like you're you're just out of control? There, you have you have no control. Zero control. That's a scary place to be. It's a it's a life changing place to be, yeah. right? And you have to heed the call once given to you of what's what you should do and what's next for you and what you should be doing, right? Because I've been given a second chance at life, so now it's a matter of what do I do with it yeah. more than. You know, what's happened prior really had no no input in, in the moment that I was in. And the moment that I was in gives me the fuel to make what's next best for me. Mm. That's wild. That's wild. I'm not getting nobody's car. <laughs> From now on, like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> if you was drinking, I need to see yeah. you open the soda. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not getting nobody's car. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So what, what are some of the takeaways from the book? Oh man, listen, so there's um there's a lot of different nuggets that you get. You get the story that I told you on branding um with my name. You learn on how I've done real estate investment for the last 20 years. You realize the mistakes that I've made um being married at 21 years old. Not that it was a mistake, but it was a a different understanding. Still married to her? No, no. Uh, of course, she's 21. Not 21. Come on. <laughs> You're 21 uh, a music uh, industry executive uh, like it's uh, over. But, um, you know, it's all of the things that probably a lot of us have gone through, but, you know, it's, it's in writing. And there's an opportunity for you to go and say, okay, this is how I apply this to my life. Yeah. Or I've been through this. Okay, this is what I can change in my life. Or, you know what, what's to come for me is if I stay persistent and consistent in my life. So about. I love that, man. Listen, man, go get Benny Pugh's book. Where, where can you find it at? Amazon. Amazon. Just type in Benny Pugh and we'll get that. P-O-U-G-H. P-O-U-G-H. Make sure y'all go get this book. I gotta do a quick commercial and then I'm gonna uh, come back. You gotta close this out with something strong. You got some words of wisdom. I wanna hear a story. Okay, get a man, story do we just t- Do we just tell a bunch of stories? I need another one. Okay. I need a really, really good story. All right, so you got to give you a time to like figure that out. This episode is sponsored by The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com, the only organization that gathers every single day for the committed entrepreneur or someone wants to get into entrepreneurship, okay? We are a family. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm coaching 
hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning. Not via like a pre-recorded video. Literally, we jump on a Zoom call and I get to see how everybody's doing. Y'all was on there this morning, right? Everybody's on there. So literally hundreds of people, like over 500, I think it was almost 600 people there this morning. And it is a community. So every now and again throughout the year, we get together and it's just, I just put on a conference and they don't got to pay nothing to be a part of it. They just get to come and we get to commune and just have a relationship. We have a book club where we're, we're reading a book every single month, but we only read about a chapter, no more than 10 pages together. We'll read it the night before or the morning before the call. And then we'll discuss what we learned. And that is a conversation that we have every single morning, Monday through Friday. So go to themorningmeetup.com. This episode would have been sponsored by Recession Proof. I'm just waiting for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Waiting for my boy M500. You know what I mean? Come through. You, know I mean? you, go, you need to sponsor. You know what I mean? Like, just sponsor an episode, man. But yes, Recession Proof. You, you're in a Recession Proof? Yeah, he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. You got him. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying Recession Proof so I can get a plane. <laughs> he got a plane. Oh. Normally, you know what? It used to be back in the day. You see, like, people at planes are music industry people, or they don't own the plane, they just get on a private jet. That was my first experience of, like, a jet, like, a rapper or a musician. Mm-hmm. That guy's something special. All right, cool. So, thank you so much for coming, man. Appreciate I it. I really appreciate you, man. So, I got, I got this one question I want to ask real quick. Um, where do you see yourself in five years, or what is a major goal that you want to accomplish within, the, in, within five years? So that I can listen to this episode later and say, yo, I have Benny Pugh on the podcast. He said he was going to do that five years ago. Look, he did it. So first and foremost, I will truly be a better person Mm. so that you don't know me. You'll you'll be able to see my work starting from you being connected to me today, seeing how my works actually start to expand based on driving through my book, um, establishing a real footprint with my business. And also continuing to mentor and teach the people that are around me. Um, more importantly, um, the next five years, uh, I definitely want to um, do a lot of the things that I never had a chance to do when I was fully corporate. Enjoy myself, mm. right? I want to live a good quality life because being in a near death situation, realizing if that was last my last day, my life was committed and just to help business. Yeah. You know, when you look at uh, work life balance, it was all work, 80-20, right? So on a private note for me is you'll see a lot of smile and cheese, right? Like, yeah. yo, he happy. And he's happy regardless. Regardless if, you know, the 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 uh, the bands are big or the bands are even, or you know what? The bands aren't the same. So more importantly is um, living in my purpose. I love it. I love it. Well, look, man, I, I want to say thank you. For, uh, for coming by. This is, you flew down to New York just for this. Not, Come not on, man. Modern. Who do uh, I bill? Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Bill Marcus. Marcus. You... No, thank you, sir. Uh, no Appreciate problem. it. No, thank you so much. So, um, uh, again, um, make sure you guys follow Benny Pugh. What, how do you spell it on Instagram? P-O-U-G-H. Okay. And it's just Benny Pugh. B-E-N-N-Y P-O-U-G-H on yeah. all my handles. Uh, well, do, do us a favor, man. Close us out with a story. Wow, this is a story. Okay, so, you know, it's really interesting. This is a real estate story. So, during my journey, uh, while I was in the music business, I realized that there weren't a lot of salt and pepper hair black men um, moving around the business. So, I decided at a point that I would start purchasing real estate. So, uh, uh, my first piece of property was in Inglewood, New Jersey. I grew that, started purchasing in different locations nearby. Currently, I own in... Uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Florida, South Carolina, uh, uh, probably like 100 doors at this point. So when I was um, really active and heavy in, in the Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut area, I was buying a city block, right? So it was a building that extended from one end to the next. It was on Park Avenue, um, Park Street, um, and Lawrence, right, was, was the connection point. So I purchased the the building through my LLC. So they never had no identity of who I was. Um, and it was really interesting because this was, it was a very, very, very unique buy. And it was one of those um, buildings that everyone wouldn't get access to or opportunity to. It was in a Spanish um, neighborhood 
And obviously, as we were talking earlier, um, you know, communities staying together. So this building had might have been transacted and sold three other times prior, and it was always to somebody of uh, Latin descent. And it was crazy. Um, once we going through the process, you know, we do all the all the due diligence. No one had ever met me. Finally, we get to close closing all the materials. They never met me because I did, you know, doing all of this. I knew what it was, but never showed up. So at some point, they asked for my license, and in my license, they realized I was black. And when they found out I was black, they got mad. Really? Like how, yo, we felt like they got hoodwinked because that was an asset of value that now was changing ownership outside of the community. Mm. And the community is the people who move the money from one person, one organization to another so that they keep the money moving around. They cursed my lawyer out. They got mad. It's crazy, B. It was a valuable asset, though. You know, so found out to be quite, quite amazing that, you know, uh, it just shows you that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's about your connection and how much power you have, right? So it's a combination of the two and also being re- resourceful to figure out where the best opportunities are. But um, you know, I found that to be really comical at the time. You still got it? Yo, beast. Nah, it burned down. It burned I mean, down? I, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no insurance plays on this, on yeah, this podcast? Yeah, I ain't do it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yo, 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 D-no. Right. Yeah, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> well, Betty, I appreciate you, all man. Right. Close us out with a word of wisdom, man, for all the young entrepreneurs out there that's looking to make a mark in the world. Yo, if you see it, if you believe it, you see it, then do it. It's, it's just that easy. You know, it, it's it's not an easy journey, but it's a well worthwhile payoff. There we have it. Listen, we can't close it out no better than that. Do yourself a favor. Go follow Benny Pugh. Do yourself another favor. Okay, join the morning meetup. And also, please, 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 go build something big. Go build something big. Get you some social proof that you can start from wherever you are to build something amazing. But the key is to go back to your community and teach someone else how you did it. All right, we are out of here. Peace. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.